We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As you know, we're doing a study through Corinthians, and um, it's taken us some time to get some traction, but um, that's because I feel like we have to lay the groundwork with chapters 1, 2, and 3, and um, we'll start moving uh, pretty quick through, through Corinthians. But we can't move until you get the gist. No, let me, I don't want to use the word gist. Until you completely understand um, what's going on in this church. Because there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this church. And Paul's addressing some big issues. And so um, how many of you, since we started the series on 1 Corinthians, how many have gone through and read the book of 1 Corinthians? Okay, in first service, I had two. Like, there's no one in this service that has read the book of 1 Corinthians since we started. Let me see your hand. Okay, okay, good, good. Because Paul, he's, he's bringing a rebuke. I'm going to have to rebuke you in just a minute. Is that okay? Can I rebuke you? You have to read the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to read the Bible. It's time to read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. Uh, you can't rely just on Sunday morning with me. Listen, my job... I, is, to, is to teach the Word of God, but I can't teach it all. And, and, and I, I really do, I, I try to do my best to just to scratch up everything from the depths of God's Word and bring it to the surface. But you got you to take that and go home and study for yourself. You got, you got to go home and read the scriptures and study. And when you're reading and studying and I'm preparing and studying and we come together and, and I'm teaching, it's like things begin to click and they make sense. And we're putting the jigsaw puzzle pieces together and, you're like, and, and we're collaborating. So go home, read the book, read the letter, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Read Paul's journey out of Acts. I think it's Acts 18 when he's in Corinth, okay? So here, here we go. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And it, it might sound like a slam there, but it's not. He, he's, he's just letting them, he's reminding them, you got saved, you weren't really ready for the deep things of God, right? Here's the rebuke. He says, indeed, you're still not ready. That tells us that Paul had these expectations of spiritual growth in their life. When they received and believed, they should be further along. Because he says, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He says, here's the indicator of why you're worldly. You're fighting. You're fighting and there's jealousy among you. He says, are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you come to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. One purpose. High five your neighbor and say one purpose. You have one purpose and they're, t and excuse me, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's fields. 
in God's buildings, there's the metaphors he's using. He says, by the grace God has given me, I lay a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for it because it's shown, he says, because the day will bring it into light. <clears throat> it will be revealed by, with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what was built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and, the, and, the, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. He says, Don't be he says do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this world, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Whew, there's a lot going on there. We're going to do our best to, to bring it together. But <clears throat> I encourage you to go home and study, okay? Study. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everything you're doing in our life. God, I pray as we, as we dive into your word, God, I pray that every person here would, would hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say. God, that our hearts would, would, would receive the revelation that Paul has written to the church of Corinth, and we now get to partake uh, today, Lord God. And God, I pray that, that as, as we're working through and we're self-evaluating our own lives, God, that, that we would come together as a church and we would be the group of people that you want us to be. God, that this church would glorify you in our, in our, in our speech and in our behavior. God, we thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, high five your neighbor and tell him, stop fighting. Stop fighting. <clears throat> As we advance through our study in Corinthians there, there's going to be great soul searching. We, we have to pause and begin to analyze where we are in our journey with, with God. If we don't do that, then we're amiss. We're, we're just missing the whole point of studying God's word and even coming together and, and hearing preaching and teaching on the word in, in worship. There's, there's, there's a problem in Corinthians. And the problem is divisions, fights, quarreling. As, as you see in the third chapter of Corinthians, Paul has used this word several times that they are at each other's throat because one wants to follow Apollos and one wants to follow Paul and one wants to follow Cephas. And, and I'm going to reiterate what we talked about in weeks, weeks ago about going to church. Listen, the Bible doesn't care what church you go to. 
does not care what church you go to. The Bible cares if you're sitting under teaching that is not teaching the gospel. Now, if you're at a church that teaches the full gospel, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, right? He walked on this earth. He was sinless, fully man, fully God. Died on the cross for our sins, all the sins of humanity, right? Obeying the will of the Father. And God raised him from the dead on the third day. If, if that church is preaching the entire gospel, then go to it. See, there's this problem, though. The church of Apollos, the church of Paul, the church of Cephas, they were all fighting with each other. It's like, well, our leader's better or whatever the fight might have been. They're, they're at each other's throats. And Paul's like, Paul's like, listen, it doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter. You just, you just, we just read it to you. Who's, who's Apollos and who's Paul? They're servants. That's what they are. So it doesn't matter what church you go to if that church is preaching the, the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. If you like the philosophical ideas of Apollos, then find an Apollos and go to that church. If you like the, the, the you know, the intellectual uh, academia of, of Paul, then, then find that church. If you like the experience and, and passion of Peter, well, then find that church. But whatever church you find, Paul says, do not fight. Do not fight. Because all that happens in fighting is that it destroys the church. And so that's what's going on in Corinthians. It's an amazing church. It's, 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 it's one of the churches that functions in all the gifts of the spirit. If, you, if you've read the, the, the letter of Corinthians, which I hope you're going to go home and do now, you'll find that Paul addresses this church and how they're operating in the gifts of the spirit. They're operating in gifts of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy and faith and miracles and, and, and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. He, he talks about these gifts. And this church is amazing. But at the same time, they're really struggling. They're struggling because there's division among them, because, because they're acting worldly, because they're being carnal. You, you know, I've been in Laredo for 19 years. I'm... I, I'm Migrated from Dallas, Texas, and um, and and so I I consider myself a Laredoan. I'm a Laredoan. I, I've been here for 19 years. I think I'm a Laredoan, right? Yes. Uh, do you accept me as a Laredoan? Okay, some of you do. Well, here here's what I've learned as a Laredoan. We don't like conflict. Laredoans hate conflict, right? We don't, we don't like to deal with issues head on. No, not at all. We like to fight, but we don't like to fight fair. We like to talk about you. So if you're in a fight with someone, we don't ever go to that person. We go to 50 other people to tell them how horrible you are. That's what we do. We go to lunch. We're like, girl, did you hear? No, I didn't, but tell me. And then, and then, and then, and what else? And who was there? What did they say? Oh, my goodness. For real? I can't believe that. That's how we fight. And the person you're mad at never knows you're mad at them until there's 50 people down. And then they hear through the grapevine that you were mad. And, and then when that person tries to come and talk to you, 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 you deny it. No, I didn't say that. 
that's not what I meant. No, not at all. Right? You act like your best buds. That's how we fight in Laredo. And, and, and it's, it's unspiritual because we talk about each other all the time. Right? Some of you probably got a text before you got into service about someone that you shouldn't even know about. You're like, why'd you send me that? You know? And Paul's like, listen, I, I don't, the issue's not that there's division. The issue's not that there's fights. The issue is how you are handling the fights, how you are working through the division. And, and the truth of the matter is you're, you're worldly. You're not working through the division. You're actually adding problems to it. And so it's the same with us. The issue that God, God, God knows we're going to have conflict. God knows we're going we're gonna to disagree with each other. We have different backgrounds. We were raised in different cities. We, we have different filters and different worldviews and different prepositions and, 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 and all the things that, that, that make up who I am. When we get in a room and we start talking about ideas and we start talking about how we should do certain things, we just might not agree. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It becomes an issue when we allow our disagreement to, to, you know, build bitterness and envy, build jealousy. And we allowed our disagreement to cause division among our relationship and among the church. And that's where the church of Corinth is. They, instead of loving each other, instead of embracing how the spirit would want them to reconcile, they are at odds with each other and they're fighting against each other. I was asked earlier this week, it was a random question, but it kind of, it kind of goes with our message. This person asked me, do you, do you believe that, that all relationships can be reconciled? I thought about it. And I thought, you know, from my experience, I would have to say no. I would have to say no. That's why there's divorces, right? Like two out of every four marriages end up in divorces, right? Even in the church house. Like there's church splits because people refuse to reconcile. I thought about it and I go, man, you know what? I, like I don't think all conflict can be reconcilable. And then I thought, well, that's why Paul is upset with the church because they're thinking worldly. That's a worldly thought. For me to think that all relationships, like, like, like there are some fights that are not reconcilable, that's a worldly thought. It's not a spiritual thought. Because when you think about it, a spiritual thought would say, yes, all frictions, all fractions, all divisions, all fights, all whatever it is can be reconcilable if the Holy Spirit leads it. It can be. If it's not reconcilable, then, then the power of the gospel is not true. The whole reason Jesus dies on the cross is to reconcile the offense of wicked and evil humanity. He dies on the cross so that we are reconcilable back to God, so that we're redeemed. And if I say that whatever fight you and I might ever get into or my spouse or my children or 
friendships that I might have. And I say, no matter how bad the fight is, if I'm going to live in the spirit, it's reconcilable. We can get through the differences through the help of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our life. But if I say it's not, then I am not living in the spirit. I'm living in the flesh. And I'm saying I refuse to allow God's spirit to run through my life and give me wisdom to reconcile the situation. That's why he's mad at the church. He's like, you guys are still worldly. You should be able to live among each other. And, and he's like, he's like, you're fighting. And your fighting's causing all this division. You ever heard of the phrase divide and conquer? You ever heard of that phrase? See, if I was the devil, that's the exact strategy that I would use in the church house to conquer God's people. I wouldn't come head on because head on, we're too, we're too savvy for that. We're, we're, we're too scripturally grounded for it, right? We're like, no, you're not going to come against me, devil, because any weapon formed against me shall not prosper, right? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Like, we know too much. You're like, no, you're not going to come directly at me. I, that's, that's, that's not going to work. You know how he does it? He does it through a divide and conquer. He gets one of us upset at each other. And, and, and it begins to, to incubate and it grows and bitterness begins to well up and unforgiveness and we begin to fight among each other. Are you aware how one, one fraction in a church can split a church? There are churches that have split over the silliest stuff. That's divide and conquer. If, God, if, if Satan can divide us, and have us fight amongst each other. He doesn't even have to come into the battle. We're doing it out of our own flesh. We're doing it out of our own selfish desires. Then he is winning. And it's not just our church. It's not just LFA. This is every church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. The entire gospel. When we fight with other churches or other church members, when we talk bad about other church members, when we talk bad about other, other uh, ministers, then we are dividing the body of Christ. And he's divide and conquer. See, we don't think of it that way. So here, here's the main idea of, of, of today's thoughts. It's fighting separates us from the purpose of God. Fighting separates us from the purpose of God. That's whether in the church house, whether in your marriage, whether with your children or a co-worker. It, that idea, when you fight with somebody, you are separating yourself from the purpose of God. Because the purpose of God is to be reconciled. The purpose of God is that we have the ministry of reconciliation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are now Christ's ambassadors, that God is, he, he's persuading the world through you, and he's given you the message and the ministry of reconciliation. If you are fighting with people, then you are not a minister of reconciliation. You are stepping out of your purpose that God has for your life. He says it to Paul, Paul tells us, he says, one waters, one plants. It's God that causes the growth. If 
fighting separates us from the purpose of God. And so, again, if I was the enemy, I would divide and conquer. He's been doing this before that philosophy has ever hit the heart of man. If you know the story of Lucifer, what did he do? He wanted to dethrone God. He wanted to enthrone himself. And you can read it in Isaiah, you can read it in Ezekiel, that he had this rebellious heart that was full of pride and envy and jealousy. And so how does he try to dethrone God? He influences a third of God's angelic host. Let me divide and conquer. Let me, let me try to overtake Elohim, the creator of the universe, right? How foolish was he? And you know the rest of the story that, that befalls Satan. But that's the idea. He wants to divide and conquer. And what, what is he, why does he do it? Well, because he's rebellious. He's, he's full of pride. He's full of pride and envy and jealousy. He wants the worship that God has. And the same thing is in the church of Corinth. Paul says, why are you fighting? Because of jealousy, pride. Here's what James says. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. I need us to listen to this. It's, it's, it's unspiritual and it's demonic. For where you have every, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. The Bible calls earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom, unspiritual, calls it demonic. Therefore, wherever pride and envy and jealousy are present, it's influenced by demonic activity. I, I need us to, to learn this because, because when we understand that, that when we are living in the flesh and, and I allow envy and jealousy and selfish ambition to govern my decisions, I'm being influenced by demonic entities. That's what James says. It's demonic. Doesn't mean I'm possessed. Doesn't mean you're possessed. It means that you are allowing demonic influence to make decisions in your life. Do you remember a guy named Peter who tried to stop Jesus from fulfilling the will of the Father? And he looked at Peter and, and Jesus said, I rebuke you, Satan. Right? Jesus wasn't saying Peter was possessed with Satan. No. Peter was being influenced. He's been influenced by Satan to detour the plan of heaven. You see, you and I, when we're in fight with one another, if we are not living in the spirit, we're not allowing the spirit to govern our, our actions and our behavior, then we can be easily influenced by demonic activity to bring a disruption and, and division among your personal relationships, uh, among your, your professional relationships, and even among your spiritual relationships at church. We can be used. Here's what Paul says. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. See, my battle's not with you. It, your battle's not with me. Your battle's not with each other. It's not with other churches. It's not with other people. Even unsaved people, that's not your battle. Your battle's against, against wicked forces. So remember, fighting separates you from the purpose of God. It separates you. It keeps you do, from doing what God wants you to do. So here are three points and then we're done, right? The first one is fighting disables personal growth. That's what's happening. There is no personal growth. 1 Corinthians 3, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food for you, not ready for it. That's all, that's all okay, right? Because when we come to the kingdom of God, uh, we're baby Christians. We're baby Christians. It's okay. It's okay to not know all the things about the scriptures and about, about God. And Paul's saying that. He's saying, that's why I gave you milk, not, not solid food. But he says, he says, for you're not, I, gave you, I didn't give you solid food, for you weren't ready for it. He says, indeed, you're still not ready. That phrase right there, he says, you're still worldly. He, he indicts them. He says, well, let's just, let's just say, Six months ago, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's talking to the church of Corinth. And now, here I am, and I'm ready to see some growth in your life, but you're still the same. Did you know that you can love Jesus and have Jesus in your heart and, and be saved, but not be changed? Paul says that right there. He's like, he's like you're saved, you believed. But you haven't matured. There's no maturity in you. That one phrase tells us that Paul is expecting, his expectations for his church is that they would grow. There would be a process in their life to growing. But they're not. And I wish you to give us some very specific details to why they're not growing. But we look at the, we look at the scripture and we begin to, we can infer that one of the reasons why they're not growing is because they're fighting. They're too busy fighting amongst each other that, that they're not focused on what God has called them to do and the maturity that God wants them to have in their life. But one thing that we can conclude is when he says in verse three, you're still worldly, what, he, what we can conclude for an indefinite understanding is this is that they refuse, they refuse to turn their back on the way they used to be. Paul tells the church of, of Ephesus in the fifth chapter of Ephesus, he says, listen, as dearly loved children, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Do away with your old patterns. He uses this word, old patterns of life. Do away with it. When you were, when you were once unsaved, when you were once like the Gentiles, you were futile in your thinking, and he gives them this list, right? What, what is he telling them here? He's telling them, you're still the same way. You're still the same way. You refuse to turn away from your old way of thinking. You refuse to get rid of your, your negative attitude. You refuse to get rid of your, 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 your negative behavior. You refuse to get rid of your drunkenness. You refuse to get rid of your, your immorality. You refuse to get rid of all those things that you've been saved from. He says, you're still worldly. 
and they're still worldly because they're, they refuse. They have no desire. They have no desire. Distractions and desire have hindered their spiritual maturity and as well as they're fighting with one another. It's a simple thing, but it's very profound. Distractions and desires can hinder, disable your personal growth. Here's what, here's what Solomon says in Proverbs 27. He says, one who is full loaves honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Think about that. Distractions and desires. Did you know that your lack of desire to, to, to know the things of God, to be in the presence of God, will, will disable your, your personal growth spiritually? That you will remain a spiritual infant. Your entire salvation, you'll remain a spiritual infant. At some point, your salvation becomes in question. You know, desires can be increased by discipline, but destroyed by neglect. Here's how Jesus says it. Jesus says it in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is talking about desire. Did you know that you can be in the house of God and have no desire for the things of God? You have no desire to read his word. You have no desire for, for personal development spiritually. You have no desire for devotion. You have no desire. He says, but Solomon says, listen, the hungry even want the bitter taste. Jesus, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you have desire, you will be filled. The reason people are not spiritually growing in Corinth and even in today's church is because there's no desire. Do you have desire? We do what we desire. We do. You desire to make a living so you don't miss work. You desire to, to have a good, a good occupation so you put yourself through rigorous amount of school. It's your desire. The question is, do you have desire for the things of God? Are you willing to put your life through whatever discipline it needs to chase the things of God? Some of us, not me, we have a desire to be in the, in the gym, to look good. Like I said, not me. I don't have that desire. I desire nutty bars and ice cream. I, I fight with it all the time, but those people that, that you call, we call them gym rats, right? They're like, they, that's what they desire. They will not miss a workout. They will not miss a run. They will not miss a, a prep meal. They have a desire. Listen, where's your desires? Because Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They will be filled. Do you have a desire for the things of God? Maybe you have some distractions, the cares of life, the love of money, the law of entertainment. Other desires of this world will fill our soul with clutter. It'll fill our soul with clutter. You wonder why sometimes you come to church and church is flat? It's not flat because, because the worship team did bad. It's not flat because pastor didn't preach right. No, it's flat because you have a lack of desire. Come on, church. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. How much desire do you have for the things of God? Listen, when our soul is filled with chaos, we tend to neglect the sweet, intimate, fellowship with our Lord. When you're so busy with the things of this world, when you're so busy with, with whatever it is that fills and clutters your life, 
you lose that desire for a sweet intimacy with God. And when you lose that desire for sweet intimacy with God, it disables your personal growth. Tenure you might have in the church house. You might be here for 20 years. You might be walking with God for 20 years. But your desire has, has, has blown your cover. It has blown your cover. Because people who desire to be intimate with God, well, there's spiritual growth out of that. And spiritual growth catapults you in so many different areas of your life. Did you know that it's a sin to fight with one another? Did you know that? Did you know it's a sin for, for you and I to fight with each other? We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. But it, it's a sin. And, and sin will disable your personal growth. If you have sin in your life and you don't want to deal with it, it, it will stop you from growing. James says it. He says it so eloquently. If you read the third chapter of James, he says, listen, some of you, we worship God with our lips, but with the same lips, we curse man. He says a bitter and sweet river cannot run together. A fresh river cannot run together. So when you and I are talking bad about each other, when we're at odds with each other, we're sinning. I know, I know, it's tough. I have to deal with it too because I get mad at you. But no, not, you're not ready for that joke. But we, we don't think about it. We just think, oh, I have the right to be mad. They, they offended me. They hurt me. They, they did all this stuff. But, but, you know, I have a right to be mad. And God says, one of the seven things that God hates is division. I don't know if you've ever read that out of, out of, out of um, the Psalms. But one of the seven things that God hates is division. And when we fight with each other, we're not only stopping our spiritual growth, but we're, we're also engaging in, in, in stopping someone else's spiritual growth. And so the sin will keep us. And, and it could be blatant sin. It could be hidden sin. Things like idolatry or unforgiveness. All these will keep us from growing spiritually. First John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to, we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. In other words, that every one of us, and myself, every one of us in this, in this auditorium have sinned. We have messed up. We fought with people when we shouldn't be fighting with people. We, we, have, we, we, have, we have said things when we shouldn't have said things. We, we, have, we have hung out with people we shouldn't have been hang, hanging out. We have sinned. But you know what the beauty of God's word is? It says if, if you confess your sin, 
He's just and faithful and will forgive you of your sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we are humble in the sight of the Lord, then guess what? He deals with us personally. And when we are trying to fight with someone, the Holy Spirit checks us and says, nope. I don't care if they're wrong. We're going to give grace. And we're going to give mercy. That's spiritual growth. That's, that's maturity, able to walk away without having the last word. Fighting separates us from the purpose of God. Here's the second thing, is fighting diminishes kingdom growth. So not only does it disable personal growth, but it diminishes kingdom growth. Because we're too busy focused on ourselves, focused on our pride, focused on the reason why I'm upset. Focus on the issues that I'm upset about rather than offering forgiveness, rather than reconciling with my brother or sister, rather than, than putting it under the blood, we just, we just continue to be at odds. And when we continue to be at odds, I'm not fulfilling the purpose that God needs me to fill in his, fulfill in his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 3 says, verse 5 says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only Servants. High five and tell them, we're only servants. We're, we're only servants. Oh, y'all didn't do it. Come on, you got to do it with, with some gusto. Like, we're only servants. That's what we are. We're only servants. And servants have a purpose. Here's what he says. The one who plants, this is verse 8, and the one who waters have one purpose. And their one purpose is to collaborate, is to work together. I'm going to plant or I'm going to water. I might even do both. I might plant and water. Whatever it is, that's my purpose. That's the servant's purpose is to do what God has called us to do. Did you know the church has a purpose? Did you know that? We find it out of the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost. You see the purposes of the church come alive. There are five biblical purposes that the church have, and I, I don't have time to go through all five, but I will mention them so that you can take notes. He said one of the purposes of the church is ministry, that we minister to one another. Another purpose of the church is discipleship, that we make disciples. That's what we're called to do. It's the great commission. Worship, we're called to worship the Lord. Romans 12.1, right? Evangelism, we're called to share the gospel with a dying world. Fellowship. We're called to hang out to, together, to be the community of God, to love one another. That's the purposes of the church. And how many of you know that if we are fighting, we're not fulfilling the purposes of God? If I'm fighting, I'm not involved in ministry. I'm not involved in fellowship. I'm not involved in discipleship. I'm not involved in worship. I'm not involved in evangelism because I'm too mad. I'm too immature. I'm just going to come and just sit and then, and then I don't know what happens in your heart while you're sitting and listening. But then we never deal with the issue that God wants to deal with us. And we leave the sin. We leave the sin. And we're not good servants. You know, the servant-master relationship is, is, is a... It's a parallel relationship that we have with God and his people. For example, a servant serves one master. 
Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You either love money or love his other master. You have to decide, which is it? No one can serve two masters. A servant is at the beck and call of his master. A servant only does what his master tells him to do. He only does what his master tells him to do. Jesus, he, he exemplified that throughout his whole earthly ministry. He says, I only do what, what the father tells me to do. I only say what I hear the father say. He was a servant to God. A servant is bound to his master. That's that covenant relationship. It's his, his servant, excuse me, a servant does his master's work. Jesus said in John 4, I've come to do the will of the Father, to fulfill his work, to finish his work. A servant follows his master. Jesus went nowhere where his father did not tell him to go. Jesus, he, he had the attributes of a servant. And Paul's life is an example of a servant. Don't you think your life and my life should be the same as Jesus and Paul? That we're servants to God? That's what Paul says. He says, after all, what's Apollos and what's Paul? Only servants. That's what we are, church. We're servants. We serve one master. We have to decide which master do we want to serve. We're going to serve God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or we're going to serve this world. We have to decide. Are we going to listen to his voice or we're going to listen to other voices? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Who's your master? Because when we are fighting, we diminish kingdom growth. Here's, here's how Paul teaches Timothy. He says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. It's the same thing that we just learned about Jesus and his servanthood to the Father. Paul tells his young protege, he says, listen, Timothy, suffer with me as a good soldier. And a good soldier, you know what he does? He doesn't concern himself with civilian things. No. He wants to please the commanding officer. The question is, are you pleasing the commanding officer? Are you pleasing God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you, are, or are you in a fight right now? Are, are you distracted? Are you, are you so busy that, that you can't even hear the voice of God? Like, like you have to decide. Here's, here's the point. It's like fighting separates us from the purpose of God. If I'm fighting with somebody... I am not fulfilling the purposes that God has in my life. Here's, here's the third thing. Is fighting destroys the church. So not only does fighting disables my personal growth, not only does fighting diminish kingdom growth, but fighting destroys the church. And here, here's the thing. Conflict's always going to be around. Because, like I said, we're all different. We think different. We have different worldviews. We have different biblical views when we start thinking about it. 
and members fighting against members and leaders against leaders and, 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 and you know, churches against churches. And, and Paul's like, that's, that's not even the issue for me because, because wherever you have human beings, you're, you're going to fight. The issue is, is are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you so that there can be wisdom from heaven to govern your fight? That's the, that's the question. Is, is, am I allowing God's spirit to work through me when I'm in a disagreement with someone? Or am I just using earthly wisdom? Am I just using wisdom that can be easy, easily influenced by demonic activity? Which is it? Because in every situation, we have the opportunity to display God's wisdom in our life. It's just we have to choose. And if we, we choose to live in the flesh, well, then we're going to destroy the church. So Paul doesn't really, again, he doesn't specify, like, what, what is it exactly that's causing these, these conflicts outside of jealousy and, and, and quarreling, right? But James, he gives us some good insight here. In his letter, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. It says you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask God, do not, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on what your pleasures are. Verse 4, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? It says, therefore, anyone who chooses to be friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I mean, he, he outlines it for us very clearly. He's like, he's like, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He said, don't they come from this inner dichotomy? Don't they come from this inner struggle of what you desire? And, and what you want, and because of what you desire and you want, you kill, so you covet. He's like, he calls them adulterous people. It's a big, it's a big statement. Because that means that James is saying the church has completely been disloyal to God. Completely. You're an adulterous people. It means you're, you're not going to allow my spirit to work through you. And because my spirit's not working through you, well, there's, there's all this turmoil in your life. So why, why, does it, why does it happen that way? Well, according to James, it says because we're dominated by selfish desires. Dominated by selfish desires. Whatever our selfish desires are. Whatever it is that we prefer, right? We talked about desires. Because if you desire righteousness and, 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 and you hunger for it, you shall be filled. But if you desire, you desire power and prestige and lust and, and greed, guess what? The same principle is going to apply. You shall be filled. It will happen. 
That's why we fight. We're dominated by our selfish desires. And our selfish desires, as we learn from, from James chapter 3, it, it's, it's, it's earthly wisdom. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. So we have to ask ourselves, God, are my desires in line with what your will is? Because if my desires are not in line with what your will is for my life, then I need to eradicate that from my life. And if I don't eradicate it from my life, well, then I'm choosing. I'm choosing. It's a, it's a willful thing to be disobedient. If our worship team can come, we're, we're, we're coming to a close. So James continues in verse 2, we're driven by dissatisfaction. One of the reasons why we fight amongst each other because maybe we're dissatisfied with our own life. We're dissatisfied with where we are. We're dissatisfied with, with what's going on in our life. And, and dissatisfaction, if you've ever been around someone that's dissatisfied or if you've ever been dissatisfied, you're a frustrated individual. You're, you're restless. Nothing is going to soothe your restlessness. That's what James says, so that, that's why we kill. It makes, us, it, it makes us feel good, makes us feel better about ourselves. So we become saboteurs to other people's lives. So you're that person at work that's always, always in someone else's business, always trying to ruin their promotion or ruin, ruin their success because you're full of jealousy. You're dissatisfied with your own life, so you're going to ruin someone else's. So we have this, this fight in ourselves. We're dis, discouraged in prayer. We're discouraged. Some people, they, they, they're praying to God for, for whatever situation that they might be in. And James says, you have not because you ask not. You don't ask God. But when you ask, you ask with the wrong motive. You ask with the wrong motive. So you took literally, you know, when, when Jesus says pray for your enemy, you literally took that and you wanted God to smite your enemy. So you pray for God to smite your enemy. <laughs> God's not going to do that. God, when we pray, our prayers again have to line up with his purpose and his will. You know, it's like you don't have because you're not praying with the right motive. You go buy a lottery ticket and you're like, God, let me win. I promise I'll give 10% to the church. That's your prayer. It's not lining up with God's will. God doesn't, he's not concerned you win a lottery, right? It's like, it's, 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 it's how we approach God with our motives. Here's how David did it in the hundred and and, and, and 31st Psalm, this is how he did it. He, he said, Lord, search me. He says, search me. It's kind of like the first thing he says, right? Like, search me. Know if there's any anxious thought in me. He says, reveal to me if there's any ways that offend you. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a bold and courageous prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Because he's going to do it. He's going to be like, oh, I was waiting for you to ask because... You remember when you spoke to so-and-so like this? You remember when you're, you know, you didn't want to do this? It's like, yeah, let's deal with that. 
That's, that's aligning ourselves with the Spirit. Because when we pause before we pray and say, God, search me. Tell me if there's anything that offends you. Because if there is, let me make it right. Here's what Galatians 5 says. It says, for the entire law is written in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We get that from Deuteronomy. Jesus teaches it in Matthew 12. It's like, what's the greatest command? It's to love God and love your neighbor. And, and here's Paul telling the church of Galatia. He's like, he's like it, we fulfill the greatest command when we love our neighbors as ourselves. He says, if you bite and devour each other, he says, watch out. Or you will destroy, you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. First John says this, he says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged, to the e who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Fighting separates us from the purpose of God. Here's the biggest thing. When we say fighting destroys the church, did you know? At the end of chapter 3, Paul tells the church, and if you'd stand to your feet with me, because we're going to close with this. Paul, tell, he tells the church, he says, in fact, I think I want, I want, um, I want you to go back to the, to the chapter. Go to, I don't know what slide it is. But verse 16, can you find verse 16? This is what he says. He says, don't you know? He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Later on, he'll say dwells in you. But right now, he's talking about the church. In the midst of the church. He says, don't you know that, that you yourselves, us, we're God's temple? And that the Spirit dwells in our midst. The Spirit's here. If anyone destroys God's temple, God would destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together, there's the clue, you together are the temple of God. You together, us together are the temple of God. And it's, it's very important that we understand what Paul's saying here. And, and it's not just LFA. We're not the only temple of God. It's every church that preaches the gospel message is the temple of God. So when we try to fight, when we fight amongst ourselves or we fight with other church members from another church or we talk about other people from other churches, did you know you're still talking about the temple of God? And here's, here's, here's the thing that you need to know, that God takes it very serious. He takes it very serious. So, so when you are talking against his church, he's like the person who destroys the church, God will destroy that person. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the wrong side of God's anger. And what easily corrects that is stop talking bad about my brother and sister. Stop fighting with other people. Corrects that discipline in my life. But if I want the discipline of God to come heavy and hard in my life, some of you are facing so many challenges in your life. Your business is not going right. Your, your home life is a wreck. Everything about your life is a wreck. And you're like, what's going on? Maybe you've been fighting with some of the people of God and God's like, we need to stop that. I'm going to get your attention. God's like, you won't destroy my church. My son died for it. See, fighting destroys the church. And destroying the church destroys our life. So, here's what Paul says. Here, here's, here's the correction. You want the correction? Here it is. Thank you. I have one person on stage that wants the correction. Do you want the correction? Here it is. Here it is. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, it says, I am a, regound, a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, he says, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give, my, I give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, he says, I gain nothing. Here's the answer. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonor. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. That's the answer to our fighting. Is when we live in the spirit, the love of God flows out of us. Doesn't that sound like the attributes of God? Who's patient with us? Who keeps no record of wrong? Because the Bible says if you ask God... He'll forgive you, and as far as the east is from the west, he'll remember your sin no more. He, he, he won't dishonor you. Listen, he's, God's not self-seeking. He's not boastful. He doesn't, he doesn't envy. Like, it's the attributes of God. Paul tells us in Ephesians, as you heard me say earlier, be imitators of God. That's the answer. Allow the Holy Spirit to live through us, and we will live love. We live in the flesh, it's going to be opposite of that. I'm going to be easily angered. I'm going to keep records of wrong. I'm going to boast about myself and everything that I have. I'm, I'm going to be that person that envies and covetous. covetous. That's the flesh. You decide. What level of desire do you have for God? Because fighting separates me from 